everybody, I'm Kyle Rizdahl. Welcome back to Make Me Smart, where we make today make sense. And I'm Kimberly Adams. Thank you for joining us on this Thursday. It is August 3rd. And today we are going to play some audio from this week in the news and give you a bit of analysis on the other side. Cannot freaking believe it is August, but that's not the point of this podcast. All right. First clip. Here we go. I remember sitting in the White House with President Obama's climate czar team, and they told me back then that it was impossible for the U.S. to hit their 80% clean energy goal by 2050 without new and existing nuclear power plants. Hmm. So that is a clip from a conversation I had earlier this week with Tim Eccles of Georgia's Public Service Commission. And it was a, we were talking about the new nuclear reactor that came online at Georgia's plant Vogel. And this is like the first new from scratch nuclear reactor to come online in the United States in decades. And it's going to you know, once that reactor and another one that's coming online soon is up and running, it's probably going to provide like half a million people, like half a million people's homes, half a million homes with electricity in Georgia, Alabama, I think, and Florida. And it's definitely something that, um, as he said, bipartisan agreement that nuclear has to be a part of the solution for our green energy future. However, this project came in like at two times the budget it was supposed to be, more than double. Um, Let me go back to my reporting like I don't remember what happened that day. Uh, $35 billion. (laughs) (laughs) Monday feels like forever ago. $35 billion for this project. I think it was originally supposed to be like $14 billion. And it's seven years behind schedule. And it just really highlights the difficulty of bringing new power generation online. And I asked him, you know, what are the lessons learned? And he said, I would not do this again because Tim Eccles mm. has been somebody who's really been pushing for it over and over again and and kind of kept it going despite many, many setbacks, including like companies going into bankruptcy, the Fukushima disaster scaring everyone. Mm. And he said that if he were to do it, go back and do it all over again, he would not take on a project like this for the state unless there was some sort of federal guarantee that like there was this they would only have to pony up x amount of dollars right and that there would be a federal backstop for it and there what several of the people i talked to said that there's unlikely to be many more big nuclear reactors like this one coming online but there are a lot of smaller right. nuclear reactors in different parts of the country that are likely going to be you know coming online in in the coming years and that we need it but you know often the nimby problem really gets into it Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think smaller is, is that's the thing I've been hearing. And also, you know, mm-hmm. he says there's bipartisan agreement that we need nuclear. I, I'm sure that's among the, you know, the policy types. I don't know that there's bipartisan agreement in the country, right? Because people are still really, yeah. with, with some reason, still really scared of nuclear, you know? Yeah, for sure. Uh, but I mean, yeah. I think we're also at the point that more yep. people are yep. dying of emissions and pollution right. and, and heat, consequences right. of climate change than whatever. Um, yeah be harmed by nuclear but yeah it's a fair debate all right next clip let's hear it in the longer term the united states remains the world's largest most dynamic and most innovative economy with the strongest financial system in the world 
Fitch's decision is puzzling in light of the economic strength we see in the United States. I strongly disagree with Fitch's decision, and I believe it is entirely unwarranted. So that was the Secretary of the Treasury, Janet Yellen, the other day talking about the decision by Fitch, one of the big three ratings agencies, to downgrade the debt of the United States from AAA to AA+. It was something that Fitch had warned about this past spring. Um, and uh, and they finally pulled the trigger, as it were, uh, this week. Couple of things. Number one, for as much respect as I have for Secretary Yellen and her career in government and her, her policy and uh, economic acumen, none of what she said speaks to what Fitch actually cited mm-hmm. as the reasons for the downgrade, right? The American right. economy is strong. Fitch actually said that. But they also said, number one, we're not paying attention to the long-term financial harms that are uh, happening because of our fiscal mismanagement, number one, right? We like to spend money. We don't like to collect money. We have a great imbalance. Mm -hmm. But also, number two, our political dysfunction, which is to say that the Congress of the United States is deeply, deeply dysfunctional and cannot manage this economy. Um, the, the one, the one flaw in, in Fitch's logic, if you'll permit me a brief editorial comment is that back in the spring Mm. when they said, Hey, look out, we're going to downgrade you unless you fix in part this debt limit problem. And then they fixed the debt limit problem and then they downgraded anyway. That makes the downgrade ring a little bit hollow, but this is now the second, uh, big rating agency granted over like 12 years to downgrade the United States. And and while the cost will be minimal, something like a billion dollars, which I understand that's real money, but in the grand scheme of things, it's not real money at the government scale, Mm. right? Um, It is a further warning that our inability, and by our, I mean Congress's inability and unwillingness to make the hard decisions that will be required to actually manage this economy sustainably are going to hurt us. Um, So that was the news, and that's what Secretary Yellen said, and that's what I think about it. So about the debt limit deal, though. Yeah. I, I actually think they're kind of valid with that because what was the deal, right? They were, they put oh, in well. place top line not budget numbers, mm-hmm. right? They said mm-hmm. part part of the deal was here are going to be the numbers that we're going to use when it comes time to do these appropriations bills. And they agreed, or at least the people who, and you then, know, the leaders of Congress right. agreed. But now here we are in the appropriations process exactly. and House Republicans in particular are like, nah, man, that doesn't work for us. Out the right, window. Right. So, yes, there was a deal, but the deal in itself in some ways embodies what Fitch was saying, that there is this dysfunction. So even when they come to a deal, it still isn't really a deal. Totally fair. And we have to, to be even more fair, point the finger where it belongs here on people backing out of that deal. And that is Republicans in the House of Representatives, right? Who said, no, 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 Kevin McCarthy, we don't care what you said. We're going to spend less, actually, than you Mm -hmm. want us to spend and that you agreed to spend uh, with the White House and and the Senate. The Senate came in and did exactly what the deal said. And Republicans in Congress said, no, we're not doing that. So, yeah. yeah. All right. Okay. Uh, Uh, One more? One more. We do have one more. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Here we go. We also have this unprecedented influx of individuals arriving in New York, all of them legally seeking asylum. They're eager to work. They want to work. They came here in search of work and a new future, and they can become part of our economy and part of our communities. That was New York Governor Kathy Hochul at a press conference in Brooklyn. Uh, Hochul and other New York politicians, notably Democrats, were calling on the federal government to fast track work permits for all these migrants who've come to the state in the last year. And I use 
the word come the phrase come to the state very generously because in some circumstance they have been taken there and bused there under dubious circumstances but definitely some people you know coming on their own but there are so many people the communities are being overwhelmed um and there are opportunities for people to work. Um, I think in the Politico article that we'll have linked on the show notes, they were talking about the Farm Bureau um, was saying, yes, we are ready to hire these folks, you know, if they can get their work visas. And so what they want is um, to sort of broaden this program that uh, temporary protected status is what it's called. They want to expand the temporary protected status, which I'm reading from Politico here, a program that allows certain immigrants to work legally in the U.S. um, And they want that to be expanded to more countries because right now, temporary protected status tends to be limited to places that are in the midst of a crisis. So we had temporary protected status for people coming from Afghanistan when the Taliban took over and a couple of other places, you know, where there were wars or something like that. Mm-hmm. And that gave an opportunity for people to not have to wait as long to apply for asylum or to apply for work visas. And, yeah, um, <laughs> there are jobs, apparently, for them. Um, and I'm Im- imagining these folks want to work. But, you know, we have a very broken immigration system. And that was um, the Biden administration's response to this call. They said, you know, we're doing what we can. Congress has to fix immigration. And, you know, (laughs) I feel like that's how the conversation Uh, always ends. You are are literally (laughs) preaching in the choir here. We should should give a shout out, actually, to uh, Jasmine Garst at NPR, Mm -hmm. who's been doing some great stories out of New York about the migrant crisis there and what it actually means. So go listen if you haven't. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, that is, are we, is that it for us today? You want to do one more? We got one more. Let's do one more. We got that one yeah, more. Let's do one more. All right. Well, there you go. That's a little journey on a, where are we, <laughs> Thursday afternoon. It's from Stephanie Hughes' piece on Marketplace earlier this week about um, asking economists, sure, uh, uh, Stephanie did, uh, about what song fits this economic moment. She was doing a story about the labor market and where this economy is going, and nobody really knows. And an economist at Morgan Stanley picked Will in the Sky because, and here's the quote, the economy is continuing to push forward. So there you have it. Here's what we want to do, just to get a little audience involvement here. What song do you think is the economic of this moment. Hmm? 508, you be smart, is how you get a hold of us. Uh, write to us at makemesmart at marketplace.org and we'll uh, we'll do a little thing on it because we can. It's our podcast. That's yeah, we, we can. Um, yeah. I have to think about that question. That That's a tough one. Yeah. Oh, that's I'll, funny. I'll be interested mine, to hear actually. yours when you're ready. I got, I got um, Oh, do, do you, you want to share now all or do you want to wait? All in due time. I do not. Do okay. Nope, Fair. I'm going to share later. All right. That is it for us today. We are going to be back tomorrow with Economics on Tap. You can join us on the YouTube live stream at 3.30 Pacific Time, 6.30 Eastern. And please don't forget to sign up for our weekly newsletter. Um, if you do, you'll be able to, to get a glimpse of what the team is reading this week. And Kai and I will let you in on what we're planning to drink for happy hour the next day if we've decided at that point you can sign up at marketplace.org newsletter sometimes it's a last minute decision that's that's literally what i said to ellen when she texted 
But she's yeah. like, she's like, what are you drinking? I'm like, I don't know. Game time decision. Game time decision. Make Me Smart is produced by Courtney Bergseeker. Today's episode was engineered by Juan Carlos Dorado. Ellen Rolfes, the aforementioned Ellen Rolfes, writes our newsletter. Our intern is Neil Farshabandi. Marissa Cabrera is our senior producer. Bridget Bodner is the director of podcasts. And Francesca Levy is the executive director of digital. I usually have to plan in advance because I often have to get ingredients. I know. Well, you need ingredients and this and that. And I just, you know. Yeah. Got to be fancy.